Back to the beat. Bulls beat continues with Derek Sharp. To the rest of the weekend, and let's start off with women's soccer. We mentioned their controversial tie against Charlotte, where Gentiata Fetai certainly looked like she had scored on the field. And further review and further stuff that you can see that I put on social, still shots, videos, it was a goal that didn't get called a goal. So the Bulls should have been 5-4. and four. And this was the last chance, really, to get a big-time RPI win non-conference against a really good opponent. And maybe that would mean down the road, we're ways away from this, the Bulls don't have to win the conference tournament as their only chance of making the NCAA. They still might have to, but this win on Sunday at least moves you up the charts. And the first half really didn't feature that many scoring opportunities for either the Bulls or Gonzaga, which in itself was good for South Florida because Gonzaga was the number two team in the country in goals per game. They scored nine against Weber. They scored seven against Hawaii. They were 7-1-1, one, and one, with probably their most impressive result being 0-0, the tie against Texas, the number one team in the country in scoring. And so to score against them, you have to be pretty good. In fact, their loss was 3-1 to Nebraska, and the player who scored two goals against Gonzaga is the nation's leading scorer, Eleanor Dale. But considering their last goals had been two games ago against Temple, both in the first 10 minutes, you weren't sure when the next one was going to come. Well, the second half started and the goals started coming. You'll hear what Denise Schilte-Brown says after about why they might have started coming so quickly, but here's how they sounded live on Bulls Unlimited on Sunday afternoon. One finds its way towards the Bulls. Peace tries to jump over the defender, does. In on goal, goes around to her right foot, winds up. That's a great pass. Poke in! Vinci puts the Bulls on top. Corey Peace was able to... Win a 50-50 ball, took her into the box. At the last second, she gave it up to Peyton Vinzi, the Oklahoma State transfer, and the Bulls have jumped ahead of the 21st team in the country. What a setup by Peace. Oh, good ball by Georgia Brown. Thurton times the run, Bulls could get more chances here. That's a wonderful ball deflected. That's a great goal! Headed in by Peace. Peace in on this Sunday afternoon and the Bulls are on top by two just sneaking it in the right post and what a setup as I mentioned if you can give hockey assists here Brown deserves one because it was a well-timed ball of the pitch Thurton let it bounce and a perfect cross and peace boy that's what you want to do with the headed in opportunity Rifle it in, no hesitation. Two grad transfers. Peace had those three goals as a freshman at Florida, but didn't score again with the Gators. She got her first earlier this year. Since then, and first with the Bulls, Peyton Vincy had scored earlier this season after just one goal in her first four years at Oklahoma State. You'll hear her journey here in a couple of minutes. But before we get to the post-match interviews, which were outstanding, the end of the game was, uh, well, it was equivalent to a football team. Instead of taking a knee, deciding to throw a pass and having the pass get intercepted just so you can have the drama of chasing them down at the one-yard line. No kidding, that's kind of how it ended. You'll hear it, and then you'll hear from head coach Denise Schilte-Brown and both goal scorers in the order they scored, Corey Peace and Peyton Vincy. This is tricky because Gaya's kind of out of her net. She wants to let it roll to her. That is a smart play right there. Pick it up and fall down. That's exactly what Lele does with 25 seconds left to go. Just punt it. Why roll it here? 
get rid of the ball. <laughs> that was not good. And now 15 seconds left, and Riley has it away from goal, and Bissett, and there's a foul. Now the clock doesn't stop here, and so Gonzaga's not gonna have time to get off this free kick. The ref can't stop the clock. It's gonna run out. They could have done that a little bit better. Oh, they're gonna give them one second because the Bulls didn't let Gonzaga set up the free kick. There would have been no chance for them to take the free kick. Absolutely no chance. And a Bulls player got in on the ball. There are two seconds left, so this is a chance. It has to be across the goal line before zero. They put three on the clock, so the Bulls have given Gonzaga and their nine goal scorer, Gianna Riley with the free kick from about 30 yards away, a chance to tie it up. Riley winds up, decent ball, and it's deflected and saved at the death by Gagnac. It was a good shot. The rebound was there, and she scooped it up, and the Bulls win against number 21, Gonzaga. Two to one. To me, it looked like Gonzaga started the second half like they wanted to press and get something quick. To me, that also, back of my mind, led to opportunities for you guys. Is that what happened there in the first few minutes? I mean, I thought it was interesting just because of what you said. They, they had the end of the second half, was rolling in their favor. We, we didn't give up any corner kick until what, like 15 minutes left in that half. And then we gave up like five or something or seven. I don't know, it was some insane amount of corners. And so I put always put myself in the coach's shoes and I'm like, why would I change anything? Like I, that, was, that was ours to win. Let's do that maybe more effectively, but like let's take advantage of what's going well. And, um, and they didn't do that. They came out in a different shape. They went to a three back, two out wide. And um, I think he didn't like the extra pockets that we were finding in the midfield and he was trying to shut them down. Um, but when you do that, you gave our back three more time on the ball and I feel like that did lead to the opportunities that we had. This is a pretty important win. How would you state the, the importance of it just in, in the grand scheme? RPI, I mean, et cetera. Yeah, I think I feel like we were a strong team against the other top opponents that we've played. But because of the way we were playing, we weren't putting the ball in the back of the net. So it wasn't until Temple that we changed our style of play. And I think since then, we've shifted into something that allows us to be dangerous. I know that we didn't win that game against Charlotte, but we really did because the ball went in. Yeah. And we also had like a, a fair amount of opportunities. So, you know, when you're playing a team like Gonzaga and you get opportunities, that's that's not easy because they they were shutting a lot of teams out, you know. And... They were scoring on multi, most teams in the first 15 minutes, and they were scoring mul like they were multitudes of goals. So I loved how the girls listened to us today. Like we knew that left that left defender number seven was going to smash the ball weak side every time, and it was a good hit. And it was like our, you know, um, every single time Viv like knew it was coming and read it and won the ball. You know, um, we said don't lose track of five. She's just like a, a nice complete player. Didn't lose track of five. You know. We knew the goalkeeper was going to throw to the left back in transition. So as soon as we lost the ball, we had that player cheat so that seven wasn't wide open. I think they got it there twice, but twice in 90 minutes when they were playing other teams and it was like a, a repeated pattern. So it was good, you know? Oh, it was awesome. Honestly, kind of don't really remember anything. I just, first goal, I remember just looking up at Vinci after I cut back and I was like, oh, yes, she's there. Easy slot. Knew she was going to finish it. So that was good. And then Sarita played a beautiful ball in and, 
I closed my eyes, headed it, and I was like, oh my gosh, I scored. And I've never scored ahead of before, so it was pretty cool. Wow. That was a new one. I was going to ask you about that. So that you had three the one year at Florida, no headers. Yeah. Uh, have you come close at all? Nope. I really shy away from hitting the ball, but I'm getting better at it now. Okay. So <laughs> point, <Yeah>. point case. <laughs> Jenny said that she was telling you guys to cut behind the center back on that service. Um, was that goal or result of training, basically? Yeah, basically we've been trying to do stuff over and over again, repetition, you know, um, and just practice makes perfect. It was kind of like familiar and I knew that Vincey was going to be on the end of it. So it was it was pretty nice and a great feeling. Um, how, how exciting has it been to kind of get back to that scoring role a little bit here under Denise and be able to play this role and score goals a little bit? Oh, definitely amazing. <laughs> I was going through a real dry spell. <laughs> so definitely being able to score, um, gaining more confidence is just going to make me feel better, play better, and um, obviously do as much as I can to help my team win. Thanks, Thanks Corey. Corey. Awesome, awesome job. What did you see on the opportunity? After the men's game last night, both goals waved off for offsides. I wasn't sure. Did you see that you had the line held and everything? Yeah, I made sure that the defender was obviously in front of me, and Corey played the perfect pass, so it was really easy just to get on the end of it and put it in the back of the net. Now, when you guys have it had been a while since the team, even though, Gentiana really did score, but is there any sort of frustration that sets in, or do you have confidence in general about this group? Um, it was a little frustrating that we hadn't been winning, but I thought we still played really well, and that we have the players that we can win, and we have all the talent. We just needed to put a, like, a goal away, and we were able to put two away today, so that was awesome. Awesome. Let me ask you, uh, I know that you were injured a lot at Oklahoma State. I've never actually gotten the rundown. What were, what were your various situations? Um, my freshman year, I came in with a torn ACL on the left leg. I tore it a week before coming in. I recovered from that. Three games in, I tore my right ACL. And then when I was recovering from that, I was still having problems with my left knee, so I'd have a third knee surgery. And then I finally came back from that. I was able to finally get five games in my senior season before I got a severe concussion that took me out the rest of my senior year. So it's just been really good to be healthy here and able to play, and I've just really been enjoying it again. Wow, that's incredible. So, I mean, I, I guess the obvious answer is good, but how, how do you feel? Do you feel like all of that's in the past, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've just trusted in God, and obviously my family and friends were major support, and it's just been really nice having Denise and all the coaches. They've been really supportive and understanding of that, but have also pushed me to just be out here, and I'm really thankful that they took an opportunity on me because some coaches, they'll see you're injured and just kind of push you away, but it was awesome that they just opened, put their arms open and welcomed me here. and gave me this opportunity. I know that Coach Shilty Brown is a big fan of those too, and you could tell by listening to them why. Great job by the Bulls. Now they are back in conference on Thursday night against Charlotte. It'll be a while before the men are at home in a brutally strong American Athletic Conference. They gave the best team a severe test. We've got those highlights. By the way, I mentioned Georgia Brown should get a hockey assist. She did on that second goal in yesterday's match the second half of which will replay plenty for you as well. We had some audio issues on the recording on the first half, and, well, there were no goals in the first half, but as you heard, plenty of action in the second half. Men were on the wrong end of a 2-1 to score Friday, but still a lot of positives to take. Oh, yeah, speaking of drama, Orion Kirkring makes his Major League debut. The basketball news, golf, so much to finish up the hour with on this special hour-long version of Bulls Beat, including a notable weekend for volleyball, so stay tuned for more. Back to the beat. Bulls beat continues with Derek Sharp. 
Not that we need any more sports right now to bring you, as you can tell by this show, but basketball practice officially begins this week. Both teams have been working out, but now you actually get to, you know, run plays and that kind of thing. So we'll start to fill in some more basketball information as we go along. We did get the American Athletic Conference schedule drop. You knew who the opponents were going to be, but now you know exactly the order. Amir Abdul-Rahim's team, and you can get the full schedule up at GoUSFBulls.com. You can also see that they are going to play Florida State in Sunrise, December 9th, and take part in the Holiday Hoops Giving event in Atlanta against Loyola. That is on Sunday, December the 17th. But the conference portion begins January 4th at home against Temple. Now the league, of course, brings in this team called FAU that made the Final Four last year. They will come to the Yingling Center on February the 18th. The Bulls only play them once. And they go to the teams that made the finals of the NIT. That's UAB and North Texas. UAB is a Sunday, January the 7th. North Texas, which won the NIT and should have made the NCAA. They were the highest ranked team to not get in that large. That is Saturday, February the 3rd. They also have to play at Memphis. So basically outside of FAU, the next three best teams, at least it appears to me anyway, the next three best teams, the Bulls have to face on the road. And they'll get UAB and Memphis early two of their first four games. Memphis is January the 18th on a Thursday night. We'll sort of match up the schedule for you and overlay it and tell you what the slate looks like on Bulls Unlimited, your home for men's and women's basketball. The women's conference slate begins December the 30th at home against SMU. Now, if you look at the schedule right now, there's a two-week gap. Before that, the previous game is December the 16th at home against NC State. Anticipate two more contests being put in that gap can't quite say who yet but yeah that's going to happen also see it looks like they'll be set up for a couple of swing trips so they'll knock out at memphis which was a contender last year that's thursday february the first and they play at uab just two days later so i'm sure we'll stay on the road for that one and funny enough they begin and end the conference schedule with smu they finish up in dallas tuesday march the 5th and of course the conference tournament is in fort worth i don't see us staying in Texas that whole time, but you never know. It's going to be fun bringing it all to you. Definitely was fun bringing you men's soccer against SMU on Friday night, the number three team in the country, and the Mustangs got on the board pretty early as Jeldrick Dahlman, transfer who scored 11 goals last year for Lipscomb, was the A-Sun player of the year, who scored 14 goals in 14 games for Niagara the previous season, and you can tell he is a finisher. He got the ball at the top of the box, looked up, hesitated for a second, and drilled it home. However, the Bulls had an immediate would-be answer, drawing a penalty kick, which unfortunately began a string of saves by the other team's goalkeeper that almost had to be seen to be believed. But I'll do my best in these replays of explaining how incredible the other guy was. Oh, is Soka in? If he is, he needs to get to the ball, and he puts it up, and that's a penalty! Wow! That might be a rough call, but the Bulls are in business. And there's the whistle. Spengler will step back. He had been over the ball. Wind slightly in his favor. Hajmir takes the short windup, and what a save, but still the rebound is on, and he shoots it over the goal. Great save by Johnson, and frankly, Spengler had it on the rebound. Something on here maybe for the Bulls. Good catch, good chip pass, and headed! Across and saved by the goalkeeper once again, Rosano. Elicits another masterful save by Cole Johnson. So sometimes you can have a shutout and not do anything. 
This guy has done a lot. Hagen. Oh, this is a good chance for Rosano, and another amazing save by Johnson. Cole Johnson is saving his team right now. I don't know what more Rosano could have done there. It was a perfectly delivered pass, and the ball was on the head of Rosano, and that had goal written all over it. Instead of goal, it's Cole. And the sun was in his eyes on that one. My goodness. Now, to be fair, SMU probably had about as many good scoring opportunities as the Bulls did in this game. You just didn't have the spectacular highlights because SMU would have a very threatening run and just came up short or didn't connect. So you had that sense of the Mustangs can score whenever they want, but they weren't necessarily putting it together. However, there was one particular incredible shot that the Bulls goalkeeper had to make a big stop on in the first half. And sends in Bailey Sparks. Good ball. Oh, saved off the bar by Horrocks. What a shot by Bailey Sparks. And Horrocks just got a piece of it. I mean, Sparks hammered that soccer ball. So it was Alan Horrocks having to come up big there. So it was 1-0 in the half. Johnson made a couple more big saves before finally the Bulls broke through. Then you heard me say it seemed like SMU could score whenever it wanted to. It did right after. And then the Bulls did solve Cole Johnson two more times, only to have neither count. It was thrilling stuff. Here's some of how that went. That's a good ball. Right to it. Cut Johnson and it's in. How did it get past Cole Johnson? I hesitated because I couldn't believe what I saw. It was to his feet. All the saves that Johnson have been making have been at eye level. And that one was with the same amount of pace, but right down to his feet. And he didn't have enough time to get his hands down there. And the Bulls have tied it up. Spengler with the delivery. Actually, it's Brian Schaefer. Now they have got to be ready to go back on defense as when SMU goes from trying to hang on to a lead to trying to score, it's going to be dangerous. And here we go. Petraeus around Barkley, gets around him. Here's an immediate chance. And that's a penalty kick. Had to see that coming. And Dahlman, the right-footed player. Takes his time, couple stutter steps, and good goal. It is two to one. Oh, that's a well-timed run. Spangler to Barkley, and here's gonna be a chance for the Bulls. Off the lobby, wants it, and he gets it, and it's a goal! Shagoon pointed, said, put it here. And they say it was offside. Oh my goodness. What a goal, and it is waved off. That's a good ball in by Checho. Anderson just misses it. Header by Wilkins, and it's a goal, and the flag goes up, and it's not a goal once again. So unlike the previous night, there was an eagle-eyed lines person on Friday night who rightly called both of those goals as barely offsides for the Bulls. It was a great game. No, we're not going to use the phrase valiant effort because it was more than that. I mean, the Bulls did... All they could do to earn a tie to suggest they could have won the game would have not been fair to characterize. However, that loss drops the Bulls to 2-5, and five, and now you're looking at back-to-back -back road trips at FIU and Tulsa. It is a brutal conference. Last year, the Bulls kind of eased into it because essentially they played the three lesser competitive teams. Turned out to be good in the case of FAU and UAB, but they didn't play any of the heavyweights until match four. This time, they're starting right off with them, and the 
fourth conference match is going to be at home against Charlotte, which is looking like a ranked team. Right now, even though last year it was similar, it does not look like the Bulls are going to be able to get an at-large to the NCAA tournament unless they run off some wins, but they got to start with these two on the road, and that is so much easier said than done. It's certainly possible, but I think FIU and Tulsa, if you want to start building back your at-large resume, you have to get a result, meaning at least a tie in both. So minimum win and a tie, two wins, and even though you're not back to 500 yet, you're right in the NCAA tournament discussion. Otherwise, you have to win the conference tournament, which I predict is in Dallas this year, the number one seed gets to host the conference tournament. I think the Bulls play them first off. But that Charlotte team beat FAU yesterday 3 to nothing. That's who the Bulls play next at home first, Friday against FIU, and then next Wednesday at Tulsa. Well, Friday was quite interesting as Orion Kirkring, big news, was named the minor league player of the year in the entire Phillies organization. And then that became old news real quick because he got called up the same day. Unreal story. Of course, he was a pitcher for South Florida, was their closer, was known for his wipeout slider, and it got him through the ranks pretty quickly. 49 relief appearances with 14 saves, a one and a half ERA, a .89 whip, 79 strikeouts to just 12 walks in 53 and two-thirds innings. So he was promoted to AAA Monday, got a win on Wednesday, and that was it. Got the call up as we're getting towards the end of the regular season in Major League Baseball. Obviously, the Phillies wanted to see if he was a possibility, maybe get a good few looks, and they got their first look at him on Sunday night. I can't really do justice to his father's reactions. I mean, he was just beaming and crying, and I was too, and you probably were too if you saw it. And you could see the video of the English Phillies call and the post-game interview all on my Twitter page, at Derek Sharp. We're not going to replay all those here. But I thought the Spanish announcers were great. The ojos of Phillies Nation were on this guy. Gay slider. This was fun. And now we know what strikeout is in Espanol. El Pancho. Los ojos del mundo de los Phillies sobre Orion Kirkering. Se prepara el pitcher, el lanzamiento. Swing y lo poncho. Bienvenido a los Grandes Ligas, señor Kirkering. Rafael Ortega batea por lo Castro. Le cantan el primer slide en sinker a 99 millas por hora. El derecho. Aquí viene. Qué clase de piche. Oh my goodness. Wow. Qué slider. Esa fue la slider. Le lanzó una recta 100 millas. Y luego vino con el slider. Se le mueve muchísimo el picheo de slider a Kirkerin. Lo tienen cero bolas y dos strikes. Aquí viene el lanzamiento. Swing. Y lo ponchó. Kirkering, amigos, con una labor excepcional en este octavo inning. I don't think that got lost in translation. What you might not have heard, though, was a 100-mile-an-hour fastball to start off the last batter. We'll try and catch up to Orion, but right now he's, you know, got work to do. We'll wrap up with some volleyball and some golf. Volleyball went to Memphis this weekend and extended its winning streak to five in a row before losing on Sunday. The volleyball squad has the best record of anyone in the fall right now. Well, women's golf doesn't have wins and loss records. They're ranked 34th going into today's event. More on them in a minute. But volleyball won on Saturday to take the East Division lead and are still tied after losing to Memphis on Sunday, tied with Temple, which the Bulls got some help with Temple, getting knocked off by FAU. Point is, the Bulls are very much in contention to win 
the East Division, which considering where they were picked to finish, which is next to last, is a really cool note. They are 8-6 and six overall. They return actually to the Yingling Center this weekend. They'll play UAB Friday at 6, Saturday at 2. Yours truly will be there for the Friday match, Saturday as well. 2 o'clock is airtime for our football broadcast at Navy. Buse Hazan had a career-high 21 kills in the win Friday. Martas Fitkovic chipped in with 11. And with Nikki Kashatave, the second middle blocker injured, Tizzy Puyi stepped in and went eight kills, no errors. She was big because Maria Andrade coming off a career high nearly with 22 in her previous match was contained by Memphis, seven kills, five errors. For the match, the Bulls had 49 kills to 17 errors. They could not maintain that proficiency on Sunday. They did take a set but lost in four. Again, this is a Memphis team that was picked to win the East Division. Bulls committed 24 errors this time around. Andrade led the way with 15 kills, but Hazan, who was so great in the first match, 10 kills, 9 errors as things flipped in that direction. Again, though, 2-1 and one start in the conference, 8-6 and six overall. The Bulls are very entertaining, and hopefully you can come out and watch them. If not both matches this weekend at the Yingling Center, then one. Again, they'll be there on Friday night. Won't be as much play-by-play this weekend for you, but we do have that along with the women's soccer return home on Thursday. A lot to go over with Michael Kelly. Reminder, Tuesday mornings mean we go Bulls speed ahead. First airing at 7 a.m. right here. And on Wednesday's Bulls beat, we'll have the men's and women's golf second events of the fall in the books. The men began today along with a field of 15 in Illinois. 36 holes on Monday, final round tomorrow. A lot of Big Ten teams, Northwestern, the host, Michigan State, Minnesota, Indiana, Wisconsin, Purdue. Also have Notre Dame in this event. UNF is there, so is one conference team, Memphis. And after their victory in Wisconsin last weekend, the women are in Toledo. Can they do it again? They're ranked 34th according to Golf Week. That's a big start. This is a 10-team field for the Glass City Invitational in Toledo, which also includes Notre Dame and Michigan, which is basically an hour from Toledo, Michigan State, Indiana, Florida Gators are there as well. Love the quote from Coach Erica Brennan on GoUSFBulls.com. Winning the first event was special, but we agreed that it could be the highlight of the season or it could be the foundation. We're choosing to make it the foundation. The women also going 36 today. 18 Tuesday and a full recap of both on Wednesday's Bulls Beat. That'll wrap it up for this hour-long extravaganza. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm Derek Sharp. Horns up.